mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, the race for the 83rd district seat in the Ohio House of Representatives took a turn on Friday as Republicans challenged the validity of the challenger's candidacy. Democrat Claire Osborne will join us with her response. Also this morning, another Mental Health Monday, it's not uncommon for kids to feel uncertain, anxious, or overwhelmed about back-to-school time, especially these days how parents and caregivers can help them sound it out. And we have details on programs and activities from the Hancock County OSU Extension through the month of August and leading into the county fair. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, August 8, 2022. I don't know if you're uh, listening to the podcast later on in the day or uh you know if you're listening online someplace other than <laughs> you're in northwest ohio this may uh not mean anything to you but uh, it's a little bit of uh, rain this morning as we get our day uh, started just uh some it's a very muggy start to the day um which i noticed as i uh, came into the studio this morning <laughs> i i parked the car i got out of the into the car from the air-conditioned car into the muggy air and my glasses fogged up like instantly so it's very very muggy and uh, a little bit of rain is very nice though uh such a scorcher of the weekend uh this uh kind of light rain that we've got this morning is very very nice actually i kind of stood outside and <laughs> enjoyed a little bit of rainfall this morning before coming into the studios uh, did uh, notice a couple of rumbles of thunder, which is kind of interesting. You saw the uh, story. Did you see the uh, images of that uh, lightning strike in D.C. Um, that uh, killed a couple of, uh, of people that were you know, milling about one of the one of the uh, monuments struck by lightning and uh, and got a couple of people. It was just really sad, uh, tragic story. In the uh, wake of that, uh, the uh, National Weather Service is uh, warning people don't mess around with lightning uh, when it is uh, when it is rumbling and you hear the thunder they say it is time to go inside if you can hear the thunder then lightning is close enough to strike so once you start to hear that get inside a substantial building uh, not inside of a shed not inside of a you know like a dugout on the ball diamond if you happen to be you know, outdoors at a ball game or what have you. You would think, and once inside, they say stay off of computers and electronics that are directly conducting electricity. Corded phones, not a good idea to use those during an electrical storm. Uh, avoid windows. Refrain from lying on concrete. <laughs> Which inside, I don't know how many people would do that. Um, if you're swimming and hear thunder, say get out of the water immediately. Uh, the number one activity where people are hit by lightning is fishing, followed by uh, being on a beach and uh, also camping. A lot of people get because you're under the trees and uh, trees get struck and yeah, you are on the ground. Lightning strikes the trees conducted through the ground and people get zapped that way. Uh, other activities to avoid include yard work, cycling, and social gatherings outside. And you would think that this would go without saying, but I can tell you from personal experience, I think most people know because I've talked about it before, in my spare time, what little of it I have, uh, I uh, am a uh, youth sports official, and so I've had 
uh, a number of I've had my fair share game of of games that had to be you know suspended or postponed because of weather, and it always amazes me the number of people who uh, want to just play through the storms, just play through the oh it's that's way off in the distance. That's not gonna it's not gonna nothing's gonna happen. Probably not, but you never want to take a chance. And that story out of uh, out of DC, tragic story, uh, just demonstrates it. Um, the uh, National Weather Service says they have uh, more tips on staying safe during a storm uh, on their website, so you can check that out. Just, uh, I thought, mention worth mentioning because this morning, I was uh, coming into the uh, studios right as I arrived at the uh, studios this morning. Heard it, I saw a flash and then a couple of seconds later heard the rumble of thunder and it's not everywhere. I don't think I've heard anything or seen anything since, but it's out there. Always got to be alert. Uh, Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. Speaking of keeping yourself safe in a whole different realm, this is a new report from the online experts at Beyond Identity. You know how many websites we visit these days or online accounts where we have to have a password, right? They probably have dozens. And for most of us, we try to create a password that's easy to remember. But according to the password experts at Beyond Identity, using a pet's name puts your online account at the most risk. That is the least secure thing to do. Your pet's name Uh, is 47% who used an animal's name as their password have experienced being locked out by hackers. Uh, Using a child's or a parent's name also puts you at risk. Uh, Those are the next most most commonly hacked passwords. So, And the reason why is very simple. It's because these are the things that we tend to share. These are the kinds of pieces of information we tend to share online, like on social media. If you... Use your pet's name as your password, and then you post pictures of your pet online with their name. You make it very easy for hackers to uh, go after your accounts. So just things to think about. Uh, By generation, they say baby boomers have the weakest passwords. Millennials tend to have stronger passwords. Gen Zers receive the most security alerts, but... They also do not have a severe emotional reaction to receiving such alerts. <laughs> so they get these security warnings and they just kind of slough it off. Oh, well, that's kind of interesting. So keep your uh, keep yourself safe that way. Uh, speaking of safety, while we're on this tangent here, I happened to see this story over the weekend, and I thought it was uh, rather interesting. A tool called the International Shark File. Shows didn't they just have Shark Week uh, discovery? I don't know if you caught any of that. Anyway, a tool dubbed the International Shark File uh, reveals where you are most likely to experience a shark attack. When all reported shark attacks between the years 1900 and 2021 are taken into account, they crunch the numbers. All of the shark uh, attacks over the past 121 years. They uh, compiled all the data. The United States has the most. 1,562 
which actually is a fairly low number if you think it's 120 years worth of data. Uh, But 1,562 shark attacks in the United States. 896 of those are in Florida. So the uh, most common place for a shark attack is in Florida. Australia comes in second, 682. So in all of Australia, they have fewer shark attacks than they do in Florida. South Africa was next with 258. So the United States, far and away, number one. But I thought that was kind of interesting. You are most likely to get to experience a shark attack in Florida. (laughs) You know, as opposed to, I don't know, Kansas (laughs) or Nebraska. Not too many shark attacks there. (laughs) You know, put that in the file of duh. One thing to keep in mind, according to Chris Paparo of the South Fork Natural History Museum, sharks are not out to try and eat surfers and swimmers. That's not their preferred meal. Most often they're looking for fish and they confuse us for their natural prey. <laughs> and he says they tend to bite and then move on, which somehow doesn't make me feel a whole lot better. I don't know. <laughs> I'm still thinking probably best to avoid a shark attack. (laughs) They tend to bite and move on. Oh, well, then don't worry about it. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. By the way, uh, speaking of travel, traveling to Florida or wherever, watch out for the sharks. Which airline should you fly for the best rewards? This is kind of interesting. Um, A new uh, ranking, uh, consumer ranking of the most... Uh, the most valuable airline rewards programs. While some airlines, it says, still use distance to determine the number of points you earn, some are now using the cost of the ticket instead, which is, in some cases, much better for consumers because, especially with rising price of tickets. But uh, so, which one wins? According to Wallet Hub, they crunched all of the data. The best rewards programs among the airlines, Hawaiian miles are best. Hawaiian airlines. Although I don't know how often most people in these parts have the opportunity to fly on Hawaiian airlines. So they say considering all of the features, all of the perks, all of the the value of the rewards, Hawaiian airlines is best. But absent that, because... Again, in this part of the country, we don't have a whole lot of Hawaiian Airlines flights. Delta has the best redemption policies, and American has the best coverage. So those are the best uh, programs, they say. Uh, Alaska and United also rank highly. So if you are curious, you are a frequent flyer. These are the best rewards programs. And uh, finally, I saw this story in the on the uh, Newswire this morning, and I thought, man, you thought that the um, the recently passed law in Ohio allowing teachers to arm themselves in class um, with the outbreak of uh, school violence that we've seen over the course of the past year. There's a recently passed law in the state of Ohio that allows teachers and other school personnel to arm themselves during school hours, and it's very controversial. You think that's controversial? Get a load of this. A sheriff in North Carolina says he is having AR-15 semi-automatic rifles stored in every public school in his county to be prepared in case of a school shooting. (laughs) He is mandating an AR in every school. Madison County Sheriff Buddy Harwood, of course, 
Buddy Harwood. Now, does that sound like the name of a sheriff in North Carolina or what? <laughs> I mean, that is every every stereotype personified right there. Uh, sheriff Buddy Harwood, Madison County, North Carolina, says he wants his deputies to be able to react quickly, saying, I don't want to have to run back out into the car to grab an AR because that's time lost. He said the guns, which will... Uh, which have become the weapon most commonly used by perpetrators in mass shootings, will be locked in safes at schools. He said there will be other items in there as well, saying we've got also got breaching tools to get into uh, to go into those safes. We've got extra magazines with ammo. While saying he believes keeping guns in schools is now necessary, he says he hates that it has come to that. But I don't know. I understand locked in a safe and and all of that. But uh, the uh, very idea. Of uh, <laughs> putting an AR in every school, uh, that's going to be that's going to be controversial. I I just have a feeling. Maybe not so much in North Carolina. Can you imagine in some other states that they try to do that? In North Carolina, maybe less controversial than other places, but nonetheless, there you go. Uh, some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly to mostly cloudy skies today, a chance of a storm, a high of 88. Showers are possible tonight, a low of 70. Finley City Schools held a Community Day celebration at Donnell Stadium. We spoke with Interim Superintendent Krista Kreitz-Miller about the upcoming school year. We're working very hard to elevate everything that we do. Um, excellence in education, excellence in academics, culture, climate, morale are two of our main strategic goal plan action steps. And that's what we're, we're going to focus on. You can get more of our conversation with the interim superintendent about the upcoming school year on the website. After Community Day, the fall sports teams were introduced and the football team held its first scrimmage. The football Trojans will kick off the season on Friday night, August 19th, on the road at Anthony Wayne High School. A man was seriously injured in a motorcycle accident in Putnam County. It happened on Road 25P just outside Ottoville early Saturday morning. Responding deputies found a man alongside the roadway next to his motorcycle. The sheriff's office says alcohol is suspected to have been a factor in the crash and that the man was not wearing a helmet. Get more on the website. Litter continues to be a big problem along Ohio's highways and roads, costing taxpayers millions of dollars each year. ODOT's Matt Bruning is reminding people to put trash where it belongs. There's no reason for our men and women to have to spend the amount of time they're spending cleaning up your trash on the side of our interstates and roadways across Ohio. So please do us all a favor and put trash where it belongs. He says ODOT is launching a new litter control program that brings in the business community to help out. Over the past few weeks, the first signage related to the Sponsor a Highway program has been installed along some highways. Get more on the new program on the website. The University of Finley is gearing up for students to return to campus for the upcoming academic year. Move-in day will be on Thursday. Then on Friday, UF President Dr. Catherine Fell will formally welcome students to campus. The new students will then participate in one of the university's oldest traditions of marching through the arch towards Old Main. According to tradition, students must not walk back through the arch until commencement or they won't graduate. See video from previous arch ceremonies on the website. I'm Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. And now to our cover story this morning. The race for the 83rd district seat in the Ohio House of Representatives took a turn on Friday 
when the Ohio House Republican Alliance issued a statement questioning the validity of Claire Osborne's candidacy. Last week, she became the nominee for the Democrats winning that party's primary election despite her past drug conviction. At issue is a provision in the Ohio Revised Code which states that persons convicted of a felony may not serve as public officials. And Claire, first off, were you aware in advance or did you anticipate this issue being raised prior to the statement that was issued on Friday? I think I always understood when I decided to run for office that my past was going to be um, front and center. Um, That was some of the reason why I ran to begin with. Um, I don't think I anticipated such a black and white response, either a yes or a no. Mm -hmm. Um, I really believe in the power of the vote. Um, And so if the people of the 83rd vote for me in November, I think they should be heard. You uh, responded to the OHRA's statement uh, by saying that, in your view, this is kind of a gray area, and yet the law does seem very clear. What part of it is ambiguous, in your view? Well, so in 2008, um, when the law stated that theft could not be a felony on your record Mm -hmm. to hold public office, in 2008, expungement was an option in the state of Ohio. So being able to have my record expunged was an option back then when the law was lit, written. Uh, today, a couple years ago, we expanded our, our record ceiling in Ohio to encompass more people being able to return to work. And so expungement isn't an option anymore in the state of Ohio unless you are a, um, your felony was because you were human trafficked. So... So were you aware of the? It sounds like you were aware of this law prior to your decision to seek the nomination. Yes. Did you consult with an attorney or election officials or anything about how your case, you know, would, you know, maybe throw a monkey wrench in that? Yeah. So I did not consent or I did not talk to an election attorney. Um, I talked to various individuals who I was close to about whether or not I should run, um, especially, you know, when there was another Democrat on the ballot, you know, Mm -hmm. would it be better to allow them to be the Democrat um, to go in the fall or would it, you know, be better for me to continue to run? And ultimately, I decided that my voice um, was important for the 83rd to hear. And it was an important choice to give the people of the 83rd. You know that you are already a long shot to yes. win the race. I mean, you know, you know this uh, this district, um, and because your record had been sealed, yes. uh, had you not brought it up, there's a good chance that this yeah. doesn't become a big issue. And yet, you decided to be very open about your past. Why? Why even yeah. bring it up? Because when when people have lost everything. There is a moment where they don't have hope. There is a moment where they think their life will never be okay again. And I had that moment. You know, I was a registered nurse making good money, living my best life. um, And all of that was lost. Um, And so if people are in similar situations that I was back then and they are like, oh, my gosh, this person is running for office despite everything, um, that hope matters to people. And. I don't believe in running from my past. Even when the judge sealed my record, you know, I told her, you know, it wouldn't be something that I would ever hide. Um, It was simply the only reason I wanted my record sealed was because there were certain jobs as a social worker that I want to be able to have in the future. Um, And that was it. That was the only reason. Um, It matters. 
And I am a long shot. This is a heavily Republican district. And I think we should spend the next 95 or 90 some days talking about the issues of the 83rd instead so, of this. So is is your candidacy more about more about that? I mean, you talk about giving hope or inspiring mm-hmm. uh, others who are in similar situations. Is your candidacy more about that even than winning the seat in November? I think what I really hope comes about this candidacy is still a win in November, but I hope along the way we have very real conversations about what the future of the 83rd looks like. You know, Republicans in very red districts typically don't have opponents. And when they don't, then they get to just do what they want and they get to just decide and they don't have to spend time campaigning. And so I hope that John Cross takes this opportunity to really share what he wants for the 83rd and then for people to hear that and then still have a choice in November of what they want the 83rd in Ohio to look like. So this group, the Ohio House Republican Alliance, they say you are ineligible. You disagree, obviously. The Secretary of State deferred to the State Attorney General, who has previously said that this is a matter for local officials. The county (laughs) says that it's a call for the state to make. And ultimately, depending on how hard they want to push this, Mm -hmm. could end up in the courts. Are you prepared to go that far? I am. I definitely think... um We should be focusing on the issues right now. I think Republicans, especially right now, love to distract from actually talking about policies. And so let's worry about whether or not I can take that seat when I win in November and not right now while we're supposed to be talking about issues. Interesting you use the word when. Um, That same law that we're talking about here does include one provision that unequivocally restores the right to hold office for a person in your position, and that is by means of a full pardon. Mm -hmm. Have you or would you consider petitioning the governor for a pardon? Yes, I would. If the people of the 83rd vote and I win that election, I think that the governor has really no choice. They should be heard. They should be listened to. Um, Again, I'm not running in a super blue district where I'm automatically going to win. It's going to be, you know, giant news when I went in November and the government governor should take notice and I should be seated again. There's that word when does, does this controversy in some way benefit your campaign? Again, let me mention you're a Democrat in the 83rd district. That's a long shot. There are maybe voters who might not even know who the nominee on the other side is. They know your name now. Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's that saying that no press is bad press. Right. Um, and I knew that they would go for this. And I think a lot of people don't run because they're afraid of the messiness of politics. And I knew ahead of time that it was going to be messy. I have a giant bullseye um, on me. And so I hope that we keep talking about what it is that the 83rd needs. And we talk about the things that really matter to us. We have a lot of people really struggling right now. So, Again, uh, Democratic uh, nominee uh, Claire Osborne uh, won the uh, Democratic primary last week for the Ohio House of Representatives in the 83rd District. Claire, thanks very much for dropping by. We yes, appreciate it. thank you. For the record, we did ask uh, incumbent Republican John Cross to join us on the show to discuss this development in the race. He declined our invitation in part because he is currently vacationing with his family out of state, but he did share the following statement, and I'm quoting here, 
I'm running to win re-election again as the voters of the 83rd District appreciate my hard work and hustle to protect our rights and freedoms, to return our tax, tax dollars back to our district and pocketbooks, and to keep our community safer, stronger, and open for business. I'll put my conservative values, principles, and voting record against any qualified candidate that can legally run and hold office. The statement goes on to say... Quote, I'm proud to champion a state budget that provides assistance for Ohioans in need of support from drug use and substance abuse, and I wish anyone who is recovering the best for a full and complete recovery, unquote. Mr. Cross did refer us to Steve Carraway, who is political director for the Ohio House Campaign Committee, who will join us tomorrow on the program to talk more about the GOP's concerns in this race. Well, as kids prepare to return to school soon, it is not uncommon for them to feel uncertain, anxious, overwhelmed, especially uh, these days with the ongoing stress of the pandemic and uh, maybe even more so fears about school safety. Dr. Charmaine Jackman is a mental health expert with the Ad Council's Sound It Out program. And Dr. Jackman, the the back-to-school jitters have been a thing for as long as kids have been going back to school. But I remember when we were kids... Mom and dad would simply say, don't worry, there's nothing to be afraid of, you'll be fine. And that was pretty much the end of it. Why is that not enough to reassure kids? Well, I think one, it's so true. I just want to say, Chris, so true, right? We can all connect to those moments depending on your generation. Yeah. Um, it's not enough because we, we have, we've grown in our language. We've grown in our ability to talk to our children about different emotions. And the reality is, you know, you know, being saying to, to folks is that, we're coming out of a, a situation where we ended a, the last school year with a pretty public um, school shooting. So as summer, summer, those conversations may have died down. But as we think about going back to school, some of that anxiety about school safety and is my building going to be safe? Am I going to be safe? Yeah. Those worries may pop back up. And so we really want to give parents tools to really engage in those conversations in healthy ways with their children. Really interesting. A, a new study found, as we said, you know, the back to school jitters have been around for as long as kids have been going back to school. But a new study finds that this is even more acute among youth of color. Yes, and so while we don't quite have all those results right now, we do have we have found that um, over 48% have shown that they have, during the pandemic, um, their children have expressed concerns about their mental health and well-being. We're also seeing from schools that there is an increase in requests for counseling services from parents. And one of the things that we've noticed specifically about Black families is that we've seen increases in suicide among black children ages 5 to 12 years old. Mm. And so we think about that's pretty young, right? Yeah. And so if we're not equipping our children to talk about their emotions and their feelings, um, we're leaving them kind of at, at odds. We're leaving them kind of out there alone. And so we really want to give tools to help children know they're not alone and that there are resources available to navigate all the different situations that they may be facing and all the different feelings they may be having. So with all of that in mind, obviously it starts in the home. How do we help our children prepare for school in this way, emotionally? You know, and I think, you know, this is, these are skills that we all can benefit from. Our children benefit, but we as adults also benefit too. You know, I think there's often a focus on our, this, our children's academics, right? The math, the reading, and the writing. 
Um, but there's a skill that children can benefit from throughout their lifespan, and that's an emotional literacy. And that really is the ability to name and express your feelings in healthy ways. And when you have an emotional literacy, when you get what you're feeling, what's going on in your body, your, your mind, it is really helps you with problem solving. It helps you to develop, um, build confidence, engage in communication skills that can foster positive relationships with other people. But most importantly, it can help them tune into what's happening to them and tell you when they need your support and your help. Now, so really important skills. And, and yeah, no, I was just going to interject. Go ahead, yeah. I was just going to interject. Now, these skills, though, don't necessarily always come naturally. Some kids will uh, be more likely to open up than others. How do we as parents then um, you know, help our kids uh, express uh, how they feel and how can we understand how our kids feel about these issues and heading back to school and all of that? That is such a great question, and I, you know, I know we can, we often, if you're a parent, I'm a parent of a middle schooler and an elementary school age children, um, we can often, if we ask those questions, we can often get the one word, good, or yeah. yes, or right. no, right. right, and those kind of like, those are like, they put the brakes on the conversation really quickly. Um, the Sound It Out Together campaign, which is a, an initiative by the Ad Council, has done a great job in helping um, families and parents and caregivers figure out ways to engage in these conversations with their children. They have created um, a conversation starter pack, which includes different emotions um, that children have, that we all have, and prompts that they can engage in conversations with, um, with their children about. They also have in-depth guides about topics like friendship, um, bullying, um, losing someone, racism, xenophobia, loneliness. So those are topics that also that are can be hard for parents to think about. How do I start this conversation with your child? Yeah. And then there's another really cool one. It's, it's a music album where they feature um, sound music beats, where then children can use those. You and your child can work together to create lyrics um, around different experiences that they may have. And so I think those are really great tools and different ways that you can kind of tap into those conversations with your children. There's so much going on for them in middle school, you know, the middle school age, puberty, yeah. um, their bodies are changing, their identity. And so giving, them, giving yourself and your children tools to talk about this, these topics are really helpful. You, you, mentioned, you mentioned something I want to go back and, and underscore because I thought this was actually kind of interesting too. Uh, we think about this as it relates to young kids, uh, elementary ages, or maybe even high schoolers, uh, especially those going to high school for the first time. Um, but middle school yeah. age is an especially important time to have these conversations, you say. Absolutely, right? There's so much changing in their bodies. They're trying to figure out who am I? Um, they're changing, you know, their, their cognitive skills are growing. And so it's really a, an opportune time because they can set the stage for later on in life, right? Later yeah. as they move into high school, right? So being able to have those conversations now with your children and to create the expectation and the understanding that you're there to talk about whatever emotions they have the good emotions and the negative emotions, right? To, to, to when they're struggling to figure things out, 
you want to be the resource for your children, right? You don't want them going to the social media or to oh, the yeah. parents who often are struggling with the same issues, right? Right, right, yeah. <laughs> so we, we, establishing that I am here to help you. I'm here to listen. I'm not going to judge, but I'm here to help and support you through this time. I so, think it's really important for children to know. So very important, especially in this day and age. Uh, Dr. Charmaine Jackson, a mental health expert with the Ad Council Sounded Out program. Mention where folks can find these resources. Yes, and the website is sounditouttogether.org. And again, there are lots of all you go to that website, sounditouttogether.org. You'll find all the resources that I mentioned, including access to therapy resources and crisis hotline. Dr. Jackman, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take care. Information that makes a difference. Good mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Not the sharpest tool in the shed. This story from uh, Florida. Where in Florida? Doesn't say. Just uh, in Florida. It says uh, 27-year-old Philip uh, Katsabanis, nicknamed Stitches. Uh, Mr. Katsabanis called the cops because he thought someone was trying to break into his home. He heard uh, some noise and uh, thought somebody was trying to break in, so he called the cops, which is what you're supposed to do, right? Somebody is breaking into your house, call the cops. Uh, When officers arrived on the scene, however, they did not find any intruders. What they did find was a large amount of cocaine. (laughs) In in uh, Mr. Stitch's possession. <laughs> so uh, they brought him in on a felony possession charge. <laughs> so he was the one that called the cops and he ended up the one under arrest. <laughs> but the good news is no one was trying to break into his house. So there was that's a happy ending to the story. Uh, let's see. This is... I saw this story, and this is one of those items that will outrage you, and I hope they catch this guy and throw the book at him. Just outside of Seattle, Washington, 12-year-old Jeremy Riskinov was set up a, uh, set up a lemonade stand. Right? It's been very hot in the Pacific Northwest. It's been a steamy summer. They don't normally get you know triple-digit temperatures. They've been uh, really baking out there. So... He thought that was perfect time to set up a lemonade stand. He's 12 years old. So uh, he is in Everett, uh, just outside of uh, Seattle. So a guy walks up, wants to buy some lemonade. He said, but he only has a $100 bill. He says, can you break the $100 bill? Uh, so Jeremy used $85 from his own allowance to make change for the man. Uh, turns out that the $100 bill that the guy passed to Jeremy was a phony. It was counterfeit. It was fake. And so not only to add insult to injury, not only did he not make any money, let's say a little lemonade, he's out 85 bucks of his own money to make change for this dastardly individual. 
Uh, Everett police say the uh, suspect has not been identified. Um, and there is a GoFundMe that has been set up for the boy that has now raised $9,000 and counting. So there is a happy ending to the story. Uh, Jeremy says he is not deterred. He's going to be back out selling lemonade next chance he gets. Good for you, Jeremy. I like that could very easily sour someone, no pun intended, uh, on you know the kindness of strangers and really the decency of humanity in general. And at 12 years old, you'd hate to see that happen. So it's good to see that he's going to be out selling lemonade again. And GoFundMe coming to the rescue. 9K for the kid. Hope they catch that guy, though. That's, that's just terrible. And who would do something like that? Uh, let's see. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news from the Lone Star State, a Texas barbecue restaurant is now down $3,000 worth of brisket after a thief jumped a fence and broke in last week. <laughs> the, the, apparently, that's all he took was... <laughs> Uh, $3,000 worth of brisket. The general manager of La Barbecue in Austin says the whole thing was caught on camera and took only about 15 minutes to pull off. She says it appeared to have been a planned burglary, like maybe someone, like maybe it was carried out by someone familiar with the establishment. Aha! An inside brisket job. No word on any arrests. <laughs> An inside brisket job. <laughs> Must be some good brisket. Some good barbecue. Uh, from the international file, this is the uh, viral uh, internet story of the day. A man by the name of Angel Domingo in Toronto <laughs> bought a billboard in the at the busiest intersection in town to adverse, advertise a stick of cheese that he found a stick of cheese that he found and decided to sell well he decided to trade it and said for trade one cheese string accepting trades for one cheese string marble in flavor marbling in flavor still in original packaging no low balls i know what i have he said don't, don't lowball me on this. I know what I got here. Uh, Mr. Domingo claims he has received several dozen offers for the cheesy treat so far. He says some people are calling me time and time again because the first offer that they had wasn't good enough. So they're trying to up their offer. <laughs> That's all kinds of awesome. <laughs> And finally, in the broken news this morning, uh, Carrie Lynn Overington is says she is fully prepared to go to court if she needs to take this as far as she has to in order to keep her vanity license plate. She ordered a personalized license plate uh, with the with the words "F Cancer." That's what it says. F cancer um, for her vehicle in uh, Delaware. Uh, she lives in Dover. The DMV now wants to revoke the plate after it was initially issued. They now want to revoke the plate saying it implies profanity. 
implies profanity. It doesn't actually say anything nasty. It just says F cancer. Uh, Ms. Overington has now filed a civil complaint in the federal court of Delaware and says, I am ready for my day in court. She's a, a cancer survivor, and uh, she said she wants to keep her F cancer play. She says, she claims, her argument is that it doesn't imply profanity at all, that it simply stands for fight cancer. Fight cancer. Of course, that's exactly what I thought it meant. Yeah, that's... What else could it mean? (laughs) I hope she wins. I actually do. There you go. Uh, That is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. WFIN says thank you for listening. And remember, you can listen around the clock on computer, smartphone, or tablet. Start your day with Chris Oaks and Good Mornings. And stay with us all day long. You also get CBS Sports Radio plus all of our locally originated sports programming. Listen live whenever you like at 1330 WFIN, 95.5 FM, and at WFIN.com. Where you can also grab our free mobile apps for iOS or Android. Time for your daily download now. The numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. New survey finds that 6 in 10 Gen Zers and Millennials have a complicated relationship with their cars. Uh, This is a survey of 1,000 Gen Zers, which are adults born between 1997 and 2012. And 1,000 millennials, those between born between 1981 and 1996. So in all, you know, young adults born 1981 to 2012. Uh, and of course, uh, all of these are car owners or lessees. 59% are not sure whether they want to continue driving uh, their current vehicle or replace it. Um, and this is... You dig into the numbers here. People stop driving their car and get a new one in this age range when the upkeep surpasses their budget. Uh, 39% said that is the time they decide it's time to get a new car when the upkeep of the current car surpasses their budget. I remember when I was, uh, you know, my wife and I just got married and uh, we, we did. We traded in the old clunkers that each of us were driving on one new vehicle because both of them needed repaired. <laughs> and it was it was actually more within our budget to buy a new vehicle than to fix the ones that we had. So I understand that. 39% say they uh, ditch their current car and get a new one when the upkeep surpasses their budget. Uh, 38% say they know it's time to get a new car when there are too many strange sounds or smells. <laughs> 37% say it's time to get a new car when too many parts have to be replaced on their current vehicle. <laughs> I don't know what that threshold is. I guess it would be different for everyone, but when there are too many too many parts have to be replaced and it's just time to just get a new car. Uh, <laughs> 37% say it's time to get a new car when too much of their current vehicle is being held together by tape. <laughs> yeah, that's a good clue. That's a good... Uh, that's a good uh, litmus test. If your car is being held together by duct tape, it may be time to get a new one. This uh, survey conducted by one poll on behalf of Kelly Blue Book. 
the survey also finds that it takes an average of eight warning lights for people to schedule vehicle maintenance. (laughs) Eight is the magic number of warning lights. (laughs) We don't have to take it in, honey. It's only got seven lights on now. (laughs) When that eighth comes on, then it's time to schedule. 79% of uh, this age group of car buyers do their own research about what their vehicle needs before seeing a mechanic. Another 66% will look things up after their visit and return with a better sense of what their vehicle needs. So kind of interesting, uh, complicated relationship between uh, people of that age group and their cars. So joining us this morning with details on uh, programs and activities, the Hancock County OSU Extension, Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Educator Jennifer Little. Jennifer, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Before we get into uh, stuff that's going up, uh, going on on, on your side of things, obviously the uh, Ohio State Fair wrapped up this uh, past weekend. Hancock County so well represented uh, oh. at the uh, State Fair. Yeah. We, yes. we had uh, a couple of uh, local young people serving on the uh, Junior Fair Board for the State Fair, which was really cool. Yeah, we had, and, and we've got, um, yeah, I will say, definitely the um, our, our um, we've well represented, we've got, we had several kids who went down with their 4-H projects. Right. And they even placed with what they call tro- clock trophy, which means they won at the highest level throughout wow. the state of Ohio. So That's they were like cool. number one in their projects for the state. We're number one. We're yeah. number one. Yes. Yeah. We're number one. Yeah, yeah. And I will say <laughs> we uh, we uh, we take very great pride in uh, all the agriculture and the and the way that the kids hand- handle their animals and stuff for 4-H. But we had you know kids who were down there in what they call shopping savvy, which is you know consumerism and mm-hmm. knowing how to spend money wisely. We had a couple of girls down there in junior and senior categories who won number one in the state. Um, Aud- Audrey and Aiden uh, Montgomery and Aiden Mowry. Um, Luke Grady was down there for Tune It Up, which is like a mechanical engineering project. Mm-hmm. So again, so those are kids. always really cool. I, I enjoy uh, seeing those projects. Those we had um, Luke uh, we had Allison Patterson, you and your dogs. So that was you know, taking care of your 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 pet dog there. And um, Ruby May, it's my home, which is more like home management kind of. So for family and consumer sciences, I, I'm I'm proud of that. <laughs> um, Erica Patterson, alcohol and drug abuse, and went at the senior level for that. And um, Becca Ludwig, she won um, the clock trophy for demonstrations. And that's a very tough competition because that's like public speaking mm-hmm. while you're doing something. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I really, that, that if you've ever been down to the fair and watched the mm-hmm. kids do this, it's a very impressive. Yeah, um, and so, I have. And, and it's it's really interesting. You can see the nerves <laughs> when they're getting ready to, you know, and, for those interviews. And, and yeah, she won at the senior level, which was much very yeah. very competitive yeah very very competitive and so we also had several kids who went down there um and were at the outstanding which means they're the top 10 percent in the state so mm-hmm. we had caitlin curry beyond the grill hannah Dieter, focus on photography andrew lee and robotics which i think is very impressive mm-hmm. um and david brindle the magic of electricity so maybe future electric engineer mm-hmm. there cool um and grayson romero superhero you which is like a health project so um, those were just as of Friday, so I know we had more kids down there over the weekend competing. So I'm sure check out the four uh, the four H um, Facebook page and website and kudos yeah, lots to, to be proud yeah, of for our kudos kids. to everyone who uh, went down 
whether you picked up an award or not. I mean, just to uh, go down and and present and and uh, be a part of that is uh, really cool. And also mention we also had a, a number of uh, local musicians that were part of the uh, state fair uh, uh, junior uh, state choir and, yeah, and band, band. Yes, uh, we as have well. So very I mean, well rounded, yeah, very well rounded well young people here. In, in very Hancock well County. represented uh, yeah. in Hancock County. Now, of course, we turn our attention to the Hancock County Fair is coming up right around the corner, but even between now and then you've got some stuff going on in the family and consumer sciences uh, realm yeah. to uh, talk about right now we have um i've this great big interest in home food preservation so right now our gardens mm-hmm. so we've had some rain guards are doing well we've got a lot of calls from people who are um, interested in canning um or freezing and we do have lots of great information resources for people that are interested in do that we um we actually do um canner lid testing so people that have those pressure gauge canners we're one of the few places that can actually check that gauge make sure it's accurate so make sure that when you're doing your canning you're you're going to be doing it in a safe way you definitely want, don't want to do that wrong right so yeah. if it's been a while you you pulled out a canner you haven't used it in a while you've got a brand new canner you want to have it checked out just call our office and you can have that done and we can also provide recipes and resources and and just help you be on the right path for canning safely. So again, we've had lots of calls about that and we're happy to help you help people out. Um, we also are, um, again, like you said, preparing for our uh, Hancock County Fair. Um, and I'm sure that you guys will be talking with Lauren um, mm-hmm. and Britta about what's going on with the Junior Fair. Right. But we'll also be back in the... Um, I'll be back in the youth building with Family Fun with FCS. That was a program I started last year, my very first year at the fair, and it was lots of fun. Every morning at 11, we kind of had some interactive things going on that families could bring their young children um, and learn and have fun at the same time. Maybe take home some goodies as well. So um, much of the, most of the rest of the time, I'll be in the Grange building, and that is where the Master Gardeners will be. So again, right. back on our gardener question, we've had a lot of folks calling in with gardening questions. Mm-hmm. Um, we're happy to route those people to um, either ag- our agricultural um, educator or to the Master Gardener volunteers that we have, but they will be out in full force at the fair. They'll have an informational booth there in the Grange building, and they'll have volunteers on hand to answer questions. I know a lot of folks, uh, even maybe more than usual, planting like backyard gardens and everything. You know how prices have been going up uh, for, yes. for everything. <laughs> it's a great way of saving a little money there, growing your own food, and uh, a lot of people doing that, and of course that leads to the canning and freezing questions and all of that and how to do that safely. So yeah. a lot of good Good information there. Um, for uh, you mentioned the the fair and you have uh, family and consumer sciences uh, programs uh, planned. Do you do you know what types of things yet, or is that yeah. still flushing yeah. that? Um, out? Well, some of the things are still being planned. I, I I do know that I will be doing um, a demonstration. It will we're either trying to figure out the schedule. It'll be yeah. Thursday or on Saturday, and it's going to okay. be healthy lunch ideas for back to school mm. and. Very back timely. to work yeah. days. Um, and yeah, there's lots of, um, again, trying to save money, trying to think about ways to eat healthy, but also do it economically, but also in a way that our kids will eat when we go back to school. So it's hard to believe, but yeah, August is here and back to school is on, well on its way. And um, that's, that's, gonna, that's, that's just yeah. coming way too fast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of my favorite things to do, of course, for adults, we've got a lot of things going on in the Grange building, all of those open class competitions. And mm-hmm. if people are interested in being involved with that, obviously you can stop by our office and pick up a fair program or go to the fair website um, or stop by the fair office out at the fairgrounds. 
Um, we have, I help with some of the judging of some of those open class things, especially the mm-hmm. food. So that yeah. the baking is one that's of my one fun of the, things. That's one of the perks of the job, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, get, yes, I get asked to come and judge food, you know, baking. Twist you know. my arm. Yes, cookies. <laughs> I'm there. I'm totally there. Last year, I helped judge some of the, um, the youth cooking competition. And I was amazed. We have some very talented bakers in our community. Awesome. And I was Thrilled to be a part of that process. I'm going to be back judging when that's Wednesday morning. Yeah, I mean that's what's kind of fun. You kind of have fun yeah. to watch, see what's what's out there, and look at the great stuff that people have made. It's amazing. Yeah, I bring I bring all of that up because for a lot of folks, uh, this is where they interact with uh, OSU Extension maybe the most. Uh, but especially with family and consumer sciences, the 4-H program obviously as well. But uh, family and consumer sciences, you have things going on all year round. It's not just at the fair. Right. So. Right. And I will say one of the things if they uh, we're gonna again we'll have a booth in the Grange building and I'm planning on trying to focus some of the activities so people can stop by our booth see what kind of things that mm-hmm. we are doing um, and, it's been, the, and even and especially beyond just the agriculture community yeah, I mean for yeah, everyone yes yeah. yes um, we uh, in fact I've, I've got a regular program going on at the library it's our eat well live well program and that's mm-hmm. been really fun we have a, a great audience that's fit there it's the first Wednesday um, evening of every month this just this past week, I was there and we talked about healthy hydration options, something, you know, got this 100 degree heat index. So right. how do we stay cool and how do we stay hydrated in a way that's healthy? And so we had we had lots of ideas out there. We had got some samples of flavored infused water. We've had some um, flavored sparkling water you can make yourself. We also mm-hmm. talked about healthy teas and those sorts of things. It was yeah. a lot of fun. We had a great, great time um, with that. And then I'll be up there next month talking about our... Uh, uh, first week in first Wednesday in September, we'll be doing our September salsa sampler. So uh-huh. using some of that garden there produce in a way that is very positive. The, the tomato is the state fruit of the of the state of Ohio. So how to put there those tomatoes go. to work? So. There you go. Uh, more information about uh, all of the uh, programs, activities, and all that on the uh, website. Right? Yes, and- yes. And then uh, stop by and see us at the fair. I will have um, some guests. We'll be talking about the healthy people. Healthy finances, healthy relationships, and I'll have some a lot of our resources out there. And we'll have Amy Carls of the Ohio Consumer Council there on Friday, also being able to interact with consumers, talking about how to save money. Sounds good. Uh, we look forward to uh, all of that. Again, uh, Jennifer Little with the Hancock County OSU Extension, Family and Consumer Sciences uh, Extension Educator with us this morning. Jennifer, thanks very much for dropping by. Hey, thanks for having me, Chris. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. And that, of course, is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, the frustratingly confusing roller coaster that is the COVID dashboard. We'll speak with Hancock Public Health Commissioner Kareem Baroudi, and because public health involves more than COVID, we'll also talk about the latest community health assessment. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.